we are going to continue the series in 1 Peter. Uh, so if you want to turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, we're going to be getting into that and uh, chopping that up here pretty soon. We're going to be talking about a loving and unseen Savior. As you remember last week, Sid talked about a forge, a forge of faith. I'm talking about that we do face trials, we do face troubles in our lives. And, and so I want to kind of continue that as we go through these next verses. As we think about this, the unseen Savior, loving and unseen Savior. This morning I want to continue the Aliens versus Strangers uh, sermon series that we're going through here in First Peter. I want to introduce you to my good friend, uh, brother in Christ. Most of you know, but some of you may not. Uh, this is John Meyer, and John's going to help me with the sermon today. As we go through this, we're gonna, he's going to share a little bit of his testimony as we go through uh, the sermon today. Some of you have seen me do this before with John Rawls, our, one of our missionaries to Taiwan, and also one of our uh, old youth ministers that's out in, in Boston, Bob Bacon. So we're going to do this this morning, and I, I just can't wait. Uh, John is a great man of God. He is a father, a friend uh, to many, and he's also a used car salesman. Not the kind of used, no, I was kidding. Very nice used cars. If you've ever seen Happy Days, Dream Cars, he owns that, him and his wife, Helen. Uh, so we'll get more into that in a minute. But I'm just so glad that he did this uh, with me today. Uh, I felt the Holy Spirit kept tugging me, and as I was reading and going through this sermon, I could not just get where God wanted me to go with this. And he kept putting my mind, John Meyer, John Meyer, John Meyer. So I called him up reluctantly Friday, thinking, oh, he's going to be busy, he can't do it, he can't be there for all three services. He said, if the Holy Spirit is willing, I am willing to come and help. So that's just the kind of man of God that he is. So I'm appreciative of that. So let's go to uh, ask John real quick here the question, how in the world did you end up in Warrensburg, Missouri, of all places? Well, in uh, 1985, uh, Helen and I were uh, debating upon whether to go into the uh, trash collection business for ourselves, and... Um, Lord led us that way, and Whiteman Air Force Base was the uh, first contract that we received for waste removal. Uh, at that time, we were officed uh, in Jefferson City, Missouri, and uh, as we began that contract and got about three years uh, into it, uh, we started purchasing other businesses uh, here in the area and consolidating those, and then so we decided to... Uh, uh, moved here to Warrensburg in 1988, and we've been here ever since and been a member of Northside the whole time. Well, good. So he started from trash business, uh, worked his way up to owning a used car lot. First um, Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, if you want to turn with me there. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So the first thing I want to look at is the first part of verse 8 there, where it talks about an unseen, but still there is love. Unseen, but still there is love. That first part of verse 8 again says, though you have not seen him, you love him. The first part, not seen him, it talks about, uh, you know, I think sometimes we get too caught up in this whole idea that we have to have this experience or something to know who Jesus is. We have to have all these, like, like a Damascus Road experience, kind of like uh, Saul had and later become Paul. We have to have this bright, shining light or whatever to come to know who he is. Here we find that Peter is addressing people unlike him. Peter is addressing those that were, wasn't able to tangibly touch Jesus, wasn't able to walk around with him. 
but he is addressing them here. Remember, these are people persecuted, and they've been uh, spread out in the known world. Not seen here literally means that they've not, not even a glimpse. Some of you have heard the saying, seeing is believing. How many of you kind of live a life that? Well, if, you, if I could see it, I'll believe it. You know, the show me state, right? We live in it. Doubting Thomas was kind of that way, right? Jesus was resurrected, and he was there. And they told him about it, told him about it, but he had to go and feel and touch and be there to see that. But I think Jesus flipped that upside down in John 20, 29, when he said, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? But he also goes on and says, blessed are those who have not seen, but yet, what? Have believed. And Paul also addresses this in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians four eighteen says, as we look not to the things of, that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So John, how do you come to know, how did you come to know this unseen Savior? Tell us your faith story, a little bit about that. Okay, Justin. Uh, by the way, since I've uh, just been a trash man and used car sales, uh, I'm going to have to refer to my notes quite often. I'm not an extemporaneous uh, preacher. Uh, well, thank the Lord we're not all preachers. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. One, two for him, two for me. <laughs> uh, I was not raised in a church-going uh, home. Uh, I know my mother believed in God. Uh, I'm not so sure about my stepfather. But anyway, uh, his wishes kind of prevailed in the family, and we didn't go to church. Uh, then when I was a junior in high school... Um, Helen and I were introduced by a uh, mutual friend, and uh, she was always in church, and I wanted to be with her, <laughs> so that's where I ended up in church, and then uh, heard the gospel there from <clears throat> both the pulpit and from Helen, and uh, was baptized uh, <clears throat> about 51 years ago, and uh, so I've been a Christian now for a little over 50 years. Wow, isn't that great? He goes on to say, but, but you love him in, in, in verse 8 here. It says the, the love here is talking about this is agape love. There's different forms of love that the Gospels talk about or that Scripture talks about. This agape love is an unconditional love. It's the love that God has for us. Even though if we've sinned or we've done bad things or we've had a bad life or whatever, he still loves us. He still wants us to come uh, to know him, come to know who his uh, son is. John, how have you and Helen, or how long have you and Helen been married now? Uh, we celebrated 50 years uh, in December of last year. And uh, I think I ex first experienced uh, what agape love means uh, through her love for me. And uh, then as I grew in faith, I understood God's agape love, that being the greatest love ever, uh, God's love for us. But... Uh, I think I first experienced it through, through her unconditional love for me. Okay, so it was, a, it was a human relationship that you experienced that. And so I, could, I, can, I can confer with that you know, in my own life. Jennifer has helped me understand that as well, uh, forgiveness and all that. So let's go to the second part of verse 8 there. Unseen, but still there is trust. First Peter 1, uh, 8, the second part says, Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. Do not see him means now... Now here means that at this very moment, this immediate, right here, in this present time, 
Not the C here is this gaze or visibly present. B.B. Burton says, Christians rejoice despite trials and suffering. They have faith in someone they have never seen and stake their lives on promises. Why? Because they know the Lord. How many of us can give an amen to that? We stake our lives on that because we know who the Lord is. And that's what helps get us through these things. And John, and one of the reasons I think that God or the Holy Spirit placed your name on my heart is, as we talked about, Sid talked about last week, the trials and troubles in our lives. And I want to kind of continue that because I think a lot of us go through trials and troubles. And many times, if, as I've said before, we're either, a friend of mine said, we're either heading into a storm, we're in a storm, or we're heading out of one, right? And so um, what are, what are can, can you share with us some of the trials and troubles you've had in life, uh, but then expound maybe on that a little bit just here in the last few years that you've had? Uh, yes, of course, uh, since I'm 68 uh, years old, I've uh, seen a lot of uh, losses, a lot of loved ones uh, passing away. Uh, my father, my stepfather, my mother, my grandparents, uh, my brother, uh, Ellen's mother and father. You know, at 68, you'll see a lot of that. But uh, <clears throat> more recently... In 2007, uh, I was diagnosed uh, with uh, bladder and urethral cancer, uh, and that's been an ongoing battle for about seven years, and uh, still, still is. I've had uh, several surgeries and uh, chemotherapy, uh, but praise the Lord, I really uh, haven't been very sick at all through all of that. And the Lord's been my strength; uh, He's been my comfort. Uh, and uh, also, our daughter Phyllis has been battling. Extreme facial pain uh, and seizures for the past three years, and that's been a, a trial for us and a matter of prayer. Uh, uh, more recently, uh, about eight months ago, uh, Helen was diagnosed with uh, cortical basal syndrome, which is uh, similar to uh, Parkinson's and dementia. And uh, that's really the biggest trial I've ever faced. So, I mean, I think uh, sometimes see someone like you as a successful businessman, uh, and we'll talk a little more about this later, but I think we see that and we see that, oh, well, he has no troubles. Or, or so-and-so, they've, they've got it may or got this or got that, and so they have no troubles. And that's, so I think that's why God placed you here today, uh, is to really share that, that you've had a lot of things this year, uh, the last few years that have, have happened, and, and so... Uh, let's move on to this, and I think this will address some of this. Just, just the belief and trust. And the second part uh, of verse 8 says, you believe uh, in him. And it talks about here, uh, Peter's addressing the, his readers there. You believe in him. You trust in him. Uh, here, there's no longer any words just of belief, but, it, but the words are put into action. It's, it's not just, yeah, I believe in him, or I, I have faith in him, or, or whatever. I mean, it, it says in Scripture, even the demons believed. But there's something more to it. There's something that puts us into action. Uh, it, it's our whole life when we give our life to Jesus. It's our whole being. It's our relationships. It's our money. It's our family. It's our friends, our coworkers, our jobs. It's given into the hands of God Almighty and Jesus and know that he will help us through, even if we go through trials and different things there. It's no longer intellect, just knowledge, but it's beginning to act from our heart out to our hands and doing what God calls us and is wanting us to do. It says, there's, it says of a man... Uh, illustration here that he, he fell off a cliff and as he fell off the cliff he he grabbed onto this limb and as he grabbed on this limb he said, anybody up there 
And the Lord said, yes, Lord, I, or the Lord said, I am here. I am the Lord. Do you believe in me? Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I believe in you. I can't hang on much longer. He says, that's all right. So just believe in me and, and go ahead and let go, and, and I will take care of you. There's a moment, pause there, and the guy said, is there anybody else up there? I mean, that, that's not faith. That's not the faith and the trust that God calls us to when we become a Christian, when we become a Christ follower. He says if we're on that limb, we're hanging on that limb, he wants us to have full trust and faith in him, that he's going to take care of us even if we fall off of a cliff and we're hanging on by a limb. John, how was your belief, how has your trust in the Lord helped you through your trials, through your troubles, as you've been hanging on <laughs> a few times? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, uh, God is a miracle worker, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he answers prayers, and he comforts us uh, in so many ways. Uh, my wife is a great comfort to me, uh, uh, encouragement to me. Uh, also, I'm in uh, three different uh, small groups during the week, and uh, they're all a great uh, encouragement for me and a great prayer support, uh, as well as the whole church and uh, my family and friends. So really, I'm blessed with God in so many ways, blessed from God. And uh, also, uh, not to be forgotten, is uh, God's uh, word becomes uh, so much more meaningful uh, to you when you uh, realize uh, your, your own uh, mortality, let's put it that way. Hmm. And uh, everything becomes more real uh, and appreciated, the songs of praise, reading of the word, uh, fellowship time together, uh, certain songs uh, have become much greater meaning for me, such as, oh no, you never let go of me. Huh. Uh, that song was sang at Northside uh, before my first surgery, and I, yeah. it really yeah. impacted me greatly, and it's been one of my favorite songs ever since. And some others that uh, mean a lot to me now is, uh, I believe in a place called heaven. Uh, the God on the mountain is still God in the valley. Hmm. Uh, also, uh, a favorite is I'm a winner either way. Hmm. And uh, that reminds me uh, of Philippians 121, which has also become one of my favorite scriptures, uh, where Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So in other words, uh, Paul is saying if he stays in the world, uh, he will serve Christ, and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. But if he dies, he gains heaven, and that's a good thing. Right. And so uh, he's a winner every, every uh, e either way, and we have that same promise. Each one of us who believe have that same promise. Right. That sounds like relational uh, prayer, being plugged into people uh, in a group and, and uh, through the word of God has really helped get you through. Let's go to the last part of verse 8 there. Uh, unseen, but still there is joy. It says there again, and, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Rejoice with joy here means that uh, I think we have to remember that joy is not happiness, right? There's a far more meaning, bigger meaning uh, than just happiness or just a feeling or just a mood. Um, rejoice with joy is like saying, is the saying, jumping for joy. Uh, back in 1995, uh, it was my senior year of high school, all through school as a little kid, junior high or high school, 
man, I, I practiced all the time the game of basketball. I wanted to accomplish something in the game of basketball. I grew up in a football town. Uh, basketball was like nothing to everybody else, but for me it was something. And so uh, we got to 1995. We uh, went to the district tournament, and we, got, we, we made it past uh, Brookfield, Missouri. They'd beaten us twice in the season. And we were in the championship game against another ta- town, and, and uh, they'd beaten us twice once again through the season. And we went through that game, and, and we ended up winning that game. And man, I'll tell you about jumping for joy, how much excitement that was, because I was looking back at all the hard work that, that it, w- it took for us to get to that point, show me state games, uh, playing together out in my, my basketball court, whatever it was, just all that hard work paying off. But that was just kind of a joy for me, kind of a selfish joy in a way. This last week on Wednesday, it was uh, a different type of a joy. Uh, I get a little emotional here. Uh, I love sports, but it's a different story, different kind of joy to see my son win a championship. We've been there and been a part of that team for three years. But to see them, and, and now, so now I understand what God looks at when he sees us through the eyes of joy, when he sees his son or his daughters doing something to glorify him and his name, or to come to know who he is. It's so much more uh, special to see that in, in and through someone else, as their confidence is built, as the team comes together, as they grow together. There's just something special about that. Joy is God's gift to us as believers. There's definitely more than a mood. It's definitely more than just a game. John, one thing I love about you, and as, as, as life has thrown you curveballs, knuckleballs, whatever else, it's hard to hit. You continually rejoice in the Lord. I go to see him in the hospital. The nurses are, oh, I love this guy as a patient. He just smiles and just says pleasant things. She, and two, two or three times I've been in there, they, they, they'd always say the same thing, and they wish all our patients were this way. How can this be and why? Through your trials, through your pain. As we, uh, as we walk with the Lord um, through this world and, and we experience God, uh, I think we all know that uh, we always uh, feel our best uh, when we're closer to God. And we have our ups and downs, but we're always our best times when we're closer to the Lord. And so uh, a prayer that I often have is uh, just a closer walk with Thee just like the old hymn, you know, hmm. pray for a closer walk. And, uh, and I think that prayer <clears throat> for me has been answered. Uh, uh, James said that we can uh, rejoice in trials, you know, and uh, they'll strengthen you. Right. And uh, the word's true. Right. The word is true. And uh, so... Uh, in addition to that, I think if we focus on the things, uh, the wonderful blessings uh, that God has given us, you know, there's so many things, regardless of the trials and dilemmas you're going through, uh, we still have uh, such tremendous blessings like uh, Jesus uh, overcoming death uh, for each of us, preparing a place uh, in heaven for each of us, uh, giving us joy. Earth, not to mention the joy inexpressible when we approach Him in heaven. So, uh, 
we have cause for great rejoicing. I think, you know, just trying to focus on that. Right. Yep. Give them more high fives, right? Yeah. All right. And it goes on, you mentioned that joy inexpressible. Uh, this means that there's just no words. I mean, just have this joy. For me, uh, when I think of this kind of joy, and we've had this happen quite a few here uh, weeks here lately, is, is someone comes out of that baptism. Uh, after they've been baptized, it's just that almost a, they don't have words for what God has just done in their life. And they'll come out to the foyer and you'll say, Good, congratulations, great job. And it's almost like there's just no words, it's just a big smile. You know, it's just this inexpressible joy that we have. And what, are there any moments in your life that you can think of that there's just this joy, uh, maybe it's a peace in the Lord that you just had no words for? Maybe now looking back you have a few words for it. But... That, that's a little harder one to answer. Uh, the the, the uh, joy of the Lord, uh, I think, you know, is given to us by the Holy Spirit. Right. And uh, it's linked very closely with peace, I think. Hmm. Uh, and actually, uh, all of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> it's uh, kind of difficult to express, I think, which is what the verse says. Right. It's, uh, I think, easier to uh, experience it than it is to right. express it. Right, right, right. And the last part of verse 8 says it's filled with glory. And this means to, to give God praise, to magnify him and and who he is. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I don't know if you guys caught that, but it says, For the joy that was set before him, we have a joy that's set before us. Jesus Christ had to go through the cross. Right? So surely we can go through some trials. It may not seem like we can, but we can make it through those. Because our end destination is not here on this earth. It's in heaven. So it's just being filled with this joy no matter what's going on in our life. Uh, it's no matter our circumstances, no matter our skin color, no matter our pay grade, no matter our past. God doesn't see class. He doesn't see race. He doesn't see money or no money. He sees people that need his son. He sees people that need the Holy Spirit. He sees people that can only have joy that is through his son and be provided through his son. So what are your favorite ways to, to glorify, to worship God Almighty? Uh, I think uh, just being uh, an authentic uh, believer, uh, being obedient uh, to God's uh, word, listening to the prompting of the spirit uh, as we, uh, and then applying this to every day uh, as we walk among God's creation and God's created uh, beings. Um, he, uh, we really need to display the fruit of the Spirit and uh, uh, interacting with others. And, of course, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, I don't have it memorized like Stuart Smith, but uh, <laughs> love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We were given the uh, indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit at baptism and uh, should be displaying those as we interact with right. others. Right, right. All right, let's go to the last verse. Unseen, but still there is hope. As we work through these different phrases, but the last here I want to talk about hope. Verse 9 says, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So I mean, uh, obtaining here just means to receive. This is the here and now, presently receiving for yourself. John MacArthur says, flowing out of the believer's personal fellowship with Christ is a result due them. The present outcome of their faith, namely the salvation 
of their souls. And the outcome of your faith here, as it talks about in this verse, uh, faith is, is a trust and, and belief together, working together, hand in hand, which means that we have a conviction of the truth that is set before us, conviction that God exists, that he is the creator, he is the ruler, he is the provider, and he is the giver of salvation that is before us. A few quotes on faith. Thomas Aquinas says, faith has to do with things that are not seen and hope with things that are not at hand. Martin Luther says, the true living faith which the Holy Spirit instills into the heart simply cannot be idle. Oswald Chambers says, faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. Faith means whether I am visibly delivered or not, I will stick to my belief that God is love. There are some things only learned in the fiery furnace. John Calvin says, faith is not a distant view, but a warm embrace of Christ. Augustine says, faith is to believe what you do not see, and the reward of faith is to see what you believe. And John of the Cross says, live in faith and hope, though it be in darkness, for in this darkness God protects the soul. Cast your care upon God, for you are his, and he will not forget you. Do not think that he is leaving you alone, for that would be too wrong him. John, you always come to mind when I hear the question, and you guys have all heard this question, why do bad things happen to good people? How have you kept your faith through your pain and through your trials? Uh, I think I've uh, pretty much answered, excuse me, that question already. Uh, But for me, the uh, pain and trials uh, have strengthened uh, my faith uh, rather than weakened it so Keeping the faith uh, was never an issue. Okay, yeah, yep, yep. And it goes on to talk in that verse about salvation of your souls. And salvation means to rescue, to deliver. But, but another word in there that I really like is the word uh, restoration. And uh, I think I have an inkling that you kind of like the word restoration as well. Roughly how many cars have you restored over time or had done? Uh, uh, well, in the last 14 years, probably a little over 1,000. Okay, <laughs> So, so yeah, I, I, a little inkling there that you like to restore things. Um, so what is it like for you to see a car that just goes from kind of uh, maybe someone would put it in the junk pile, but maybe not that quite far along, but to go through the process and see it finally done, and maybe even looking better than new? What's it like for you to see that? Well, it's, it's a great experience, but it's uh, uh, nothing like seeing a person restored. Right, right, right. Uh, nothing like that. For sure, there's really, because there's no, uh, a person accepting Christ is, is the only, uh, it's the greatest question, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make right. on this earth that has good eternal consequences. Right, right. And that car's still going to go, it's going to jump, rust, right? It's going to rust. Yeah, that. it's still going to do that, so. <laughs> Last thing I want to talk about this morning is just this hope. There's just this past hope of obtaining salvation that we put our hope and faith, as you just talked about, and, and confessing Jesus as Lord, being baptized, and living a life for him. There's the presence, the assurance that we have daily, we, have, uh, we are forgiven of our sins. But there's this future hope that we have set before us. Uh, G.K. Chesterton says, Hope means hoping when things are hopeless, or it is no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is mere flattery or platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. 
I really like that, how it just says that hope becomes a strength when we're going through what we think is hopeless. There's a man that he approached a, a dugout at a Little League game, and he goes up to the boy and says, hey, hey, what's the score? And the boy looks at him and says, 18 to nothing. He's like, man, I bet you're down, and I bet you're, you're discouraged right now, young, young man. He says, nope, we haven't got up to bat yet. <laughs> how many times in our lives do we just kind of give up on our faith? Do we give up and we don't have that trust that we need, that hope that we know that we have? Yeah, we're down 18 to nothing. But no, let's have the attitude of the boy that says, no, we haven't got a chance to bat yet. That's kind of a little bit of a confidence in the Lord, right? Last thing I want to, last question for John here. Uh, Christ may be unseen with the, the naked eye, is, is Peter's, those that he was writing to at this time. What are some of the th- ways that you have kept your hope in a loving and unseen Christ? Oh. Well, you know, uh, the Word of God, uh, truly, I suppose the Word of God gives me more hope than anything because I believe it. Right. It's true. Uh, and the deeper we are in the Word, uh, the more we pray and the more we encourage and love each other, all these strengthen our hope uh, and they mature our faith. Uh, and while the Savior now is literally unseen, by us today, uh, we can still experience him, right. and we can, uh, and one day we will see him face right. to face. Right, right. I want to thank John this morning and give him a round of applause for coming and helping. This is a time now that we have talked about this faith, we've talked about hope, we've talked about love, we've talked about trust. Maybe here this morning and you desire that. You desire to put your hope, put your trust, put your faith. And the one true God. And the one true Savior is it's only through Jesus Christ. As Peter was helping those that he was writing to. See that they have a reason to love an unseen Savior. This morning if you want to make that decision to give your life to him. Or you want to give your, make that decision to say I want to be a part of the body here at Northside. Come forward. Or if you need prayer this morning we'll have prayer warriors in the back corner. That you can pray with them. So let's stand and let's sing our invitation.